I'm Mel. And I'm Tosh. And welcome to another episode of Mahogany Mammalogy, an online dialogue pertaining to the concerns and carefree parenting of Black motherhood. This week, our marvelous mahogany mom is Nisa. You may have actually checked out her blog, Unraveling Impulse, and if you haven't, you should. She shares her thoughts and experiences on her own life, as well as the happenings in the world, from motherhood and her experiences living abroad to pop culture, current events, and a dash of beauty and fashion. She features interviews with other inspiring everyday women whose journey to self-discovery and purpose have helped her to find clarity. She actually recently just wrote a phenomenal post about redefining body goals, the journey to accepting her body. The link to her blog will actually be in our show notes. Congratulations, Nisa. Congrats. You too can actually nominate a mom today by completing the form on our website. And now on to the show. The number of moms in prison continue to rise. Of the 220,000 women currently locked up, 60% are being held in jail pre-trial. 80% are mothers and 60% of those are black. The lasting impact of imprisonment can affect not only the children, but the entire family. Today, we will discuss enduring motherhood during incarceration with our guest, mammologist, Miss LaHeather Wilson. Welcome. Welcome, LaHeather. Thank you. Hello. LaHeather Wilson is a native of Longview, Texas. LaHeather is an inspirational speaker, certified peer recovery specialist, and advocate. She is also the owner of Peace By, an interior consulting company. Her 2014 award-winning documentary, I Am More, won a Lone Star Emmy Award and was nominated for a National Emmy Award as well. Mm. Her inspiring documentary depicts her heartfelt journey from tragedy to triumph. Her story has also been in various arenas such as television, The Hollywood Reporter, and The Examiner. She is the recipient of the 2015 Winner's Circle Unsung Hero Award and 2016's God's Leading Ladies Lifetime Exploration Award. Her documentary is currently being used as an educational catalyst within law enforcement, re-entry court, and at the city, state, and government official levels. Out of all these accolades, her greatest joy is being a mom to her two sons, Caleb and Joshua. And her life mantra is, I inspire to inspire before I expire. Welcome again, LaHeather, to our show. Welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, so let's go ahead and just dive into this. Can you just explain to our listeners what led you to be in prison? Okay, well, um, back in 2008, um, my marriage started to fall apart. I was married 12 years. I had a home in Cedar Hill, husband. We were over the prison ministry of our church. Um, life was going great. I had my own interior consulting business as well as corp, uh, working in corporate America. He was working full-time job. Life was great. Um, we live what people would deem the American dream. But what I've learned uh, through this process is if you don't deal with life, life will deal with you. Um, So going back a couple of years, I didn't realize or acknowledge the fact that there were some things going on. Um, My initial addiction was food. 
And so I gained up to, I got up to 397. And so back in 2004, I elected to have a gastric bypass surgery in which I remember my ex-husband saying, you can try to fix what's going on on the outside, but until you deal with what's going on the inside, losing the weight is not going to make a difference. Mm -hmm. And so I, again, elected to get the gastric bypass surgery and things were going great. Um, I was living life, living my best life, as they would say now. Um, and when my marriage started to kind of have some difficulties because I could not eat those emotions away anymore because my stomach was, of course, smaller, uh-huh. I started to drink wine to relax and go to sleep. And so I would, you know, things would happen. I would drink wine and relax and go to sleep. But what happens when you have a gastric bypass, of course, it limits, it limits your intakes of food, but it also, um, you can't drink alcohol. Because what it does is it goes straight to your bloodstream. Yep. And so what I was doing was I was drinking the alcohol and, and I was blacking out. But mm. I would get back up the next morning and be okay because I was asleep. Yeah. Um, and for those of you who don't know, people get confused what a blackout is from passing out. or um, Blackout, you can actually walk around. You're blacked out. Your your memory is blacked out. Passing out is you're just laid out on the floor. And some people say all the time, or I ask when I'm speaking in other arenas, how many of you guys have been to the club or been to the bar and woke up and don't remember how you got home? Mm, that would be blacking that's out. That's a blackout. Mm-hmm. They've driven, gotten home, gotten in the bed, and just like, wait a minute. When, I don't remember driving. Or you you have those um, blink, you know, moments of, mm-hmm. okay, I remember, okay, but I don't remember this and I do remember that. Well, that that's a uh, period of blackout. Mm-hmm. And so what I would do is I would black out. And so um, I had my son Caleb in 2004, my son Joshua in 2000, I'm sorry, Caleb was in 2002, Joshua was in 2005, and my son Christian was in 2008. And so... Christian Micah. And I, I say this, guys, because I'm learning to even say his name at this point. And that's something that I'm processing now as I go through counseling. Okay. And so um, I'm just putting that disclosure out there. Um, so when my marriage started to fall apart or have issues, then I didn't know how to deal with it because I'm what you would call the perfectionist. Even growing up in school, uh, my parents put a high expectation on me. And it wasn't that it was done intentionally, but there was a pressure to perform. Mm-hmm. So A's and B's were great, but C's, I, I just, you know, it was an F. Or it was always, mm-hmm. if you made a 90, well, you could have made a 95. Whereas she thought she was encouraging me, and nothing against my mom, because she did what she knew how to do at that time. It was a pressure to always perform. And in that, it was a feeling internally of nothing I'll do is that would be good enough for her. Oh, wow. Even if I make a 90... It's not enough. So I grew up internally with this feeling of nothing I do will ever be good enough. And when you feel like that from from a parent perspective, from being a child to a parent, then the world, anything I did, I was able to be successful at because I had the, the spirit of perfectionist. But I never rewarded myself because nothing I did never felt good enough. Yeah. And so in that, I'm learning now today how to even reward myself when I complete a task or even do a speaking engagement or do anything. It's like, you got to go out and celebrate you. You got to be self-aware and do self-care. Mm-hmm. And so that's a process for me today. Well, in the process of me having those issues um, with my my marriage, um, and I'm going to put this out here as well, I have a degree in criminal justice. Oh, oh, yes. I have a degree in criminal justice. Um, so coming full circle with that, I learned to, the irony is I learned more going through the system than I ever did in a book. 
and not to negate from education, right? But right. life experience is a whole nother. Yeah, that's a whole nother thing. Exactly. Yeah. And so with that, I started to drink, and again, I I dreamed what deemed what people call the American dream. But on March the twenty fifth, two thousand nine, I woke up to a nightmare. Um, I drank the night before uh, my ex-husband had previously walked out and he came back it had been 10 days and you know a lot of times it's women against our best judgment our better judgment my son was kind of acting up I felt like no he walked out we need some time but my son wanted his father home and we'd been married a while Mm -hmm. and so against my that unction that says "Mm -mm," it was like okay well I'm gonna let him come back but I wrote out a agreement this is what you will and will not do when you come back into this house and I started feeling against my instinct mm-hmm. of my discernment I said you know what I was angry and a lot of times I was what oh well, my ex-husband oh we're we're in church and so that's that hidden thing that even women Christian women want to hide behind is what are people going to say what's the church going to say we're in the prison ministry who do I disclose this information to that I'm really hurting and I'm really angry and I'm really frustrated and what they're going to say is girl just take it to the Lord in prayer well what if I don't want to take it to the Lord in prayer or the Lord is providing me this vehicle of therapy to Exactly. And I'm praying and I'm feeling like it's not working. Yeah. And you know, I say I believe, but do I really believe what I say I believe? That's true. And even even as Paul says, God help my unbelief. So when I think I know, I don't really know. Mm -hmm. And so I was at that, I was in turmoil about that. Mm -hmm. And so even though I let him back in and I was just angry, it was just festering. I could feel it just literally just up to my throat. I was just so angry. And I remember, um, he was a trucker in the oil field, and he worked like 12 hours a day. So that night, I, I was working at TXU Energy as a billing analyst. So, that, you know, I, that night I was just like, you know what? I'm going to go pick up the boys, uh, you know, put them to feed them, put them to bed, and I'm going to drink me some wine and go to sleep. And so I, of course, did that. Well, this is what I remember. Let me just say this. I know that on March the 25th, around 7 o'clock, I heard my alarm go off, and I got up. To get my to get the boys up, mm-hmm. and for me as a perfectionist, I'm strategic. I have clothes already out, you know, things mm-hmm, done, and, mm-hmm. and so I remember getting up and the clothes were, and I'm thinking, my goodness, and I'm kind of loopy because I drank two bottles of wine that night, and I just wow, and see, <laughs> I say wow, well, and I I know I can drink, but I was like wow, yeah, that's... yeah, I drank two bottles of wine, wow. and, and it wasn't like an enjoyment, like sipping of the wine. It was just, just straight drinking through. You were straw. angry. Yeah, I you was were angry. angry. I'm drinking yeah. through a straw, wine through a straw, because I'm ready to just. Go. I'm wow. Yeah, I was just done. I was angry, but again, I didn't deal with those emotions. So I just wanted to just check out. I'm tired. Put the kids sleep. Check out. Well, um, that morning the alarm went off, and I remember going through the house looking for, um, you know, getting getting going to Caleb's room, getting him up, and then Joshua. And I went to the living, went to the room to get my son Christian, and he wasn't in his bed. And so I'm thinking to myself, okay, well, at that time my ex husband had only been back ten days, so he was in the guest bedroom. You're not sleeping in here, so. Okay. And I was like, oh, well, maybe he he goes to work around, you know, 530. Maybe he's in the bed with, you know, and that. So I went into the guest bedroom, and he wasn't in the guest bedroom. And so I'm walking around the house, and I'm looking in the playpen. I'm going, what, you know, where is, what's what's going on? And so I'm like, starting to get panicky. I remember my heart, feeling my heart racing. And I went, and I was just getting running around the house, and I'm hollering, Christian, Christian. And the boys, they were like uh, six and three at that time. Mm. They were young. And how old was Christian? He was seven months. So he was seven months. And so I remember running around the house, and then I just remember I'm standing in the... uh, 
in the living room, and then I walked to the foyer of our former living room, and and I opened up the door, and we had, of course, the motion detector light, and it came on, and I'm thinking, I'm seeing my car in the front yard, and I'm going, me strategically, I don't park in the front. Oh. I park in the back, because we had the alley parking. Why is yeah, my car yeah. in the front? And I park in the back. Then I look and I'm going, where's, you know, I'm looking around the house. So as I, I go out the door, I'm walking down the, the driveway, um, my front entrance, and I see the car seat. Again, that's something that alerted me because strategically, I always, I know that I always get him out the car in the car seat because it's easier to put him in, strap him in, and okay. the, you know, in yeah. the morning yeah. and just lock the car seat in. Yeah, I already, I already locked in, and so I'm walking to the car and I'm going, "Why is the car seat in the car?" And so I remember going in and I'm walking to the car slowly. It's, it's almost like. Um, I, it was an out of body experience, mm-hmm. and I remember walking to the car slowly, and I get to the car, and he's in the car, and so I remember opening up the door, going, "Oh my God!" You know, I'm literally oblivious, like, "What's happening? What's going on?" And I remember opening up the car, and he's in the car seat, and and I literally, I'm I'm in panic mode, so I'm reaching for the car, the to unlock the car seat, and then. Um, when I went down to reach for him, he was a little, he was stiff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I remember just like g- grabbing him and just running into the house. And I, I remember just just holding him and just I put you know in the blanket. And I was holding. I was screaming. I'm trying to find my phone. I can't find my phone. And and I'm just welling. And and my neighbor. Uh, is a police officer and I ran and knocked on his door Dallas police officer I knocked on his door and I was like I need to use your phone I got something you know Christian Christian he kept saying what's wrong Miss Lathan and, and he came over with me he called 911 and there's a documentary out online and it's called if you YouTube it's called I Am More and it's actually a reenactment of kind of what happened the 911 call is original and um, it's there and that's the documentary that actually won the uh, the award um and he called, and I just remember, I, I don't know, I just, it felt out of body. Mm-hmm. And I remember just, I think it's almost kind of like the next thing I remember is the fire department being there. And I remember the boys being taken out of the house, and they took them to the neighbor's house. Mm-hmm. And pretty much after that, I remember sitting in Lusteria Jail. Oh, my gosh, that quit. Yeah. Well, they took me to Cedar Hill Jail first. My mom drove up. I'm from East Texas. They drove up, and I was just like, no matter what happens to me, mom will get my kids. You yeah, know? Sure. And she was like, oh, I got it. Just yeah, baby. Yeah. And my initial bond was $200,000. Wow. When I left Cedar Hill, it was 200000 When I got to Dallas County, they dropped it down to um, $100,000. And so I got in. It was a $100,000 bond. And I remember sitting. And when you get booked in the loose area, they make you sit on these hard metal benches mm-hmm. and the TV screen is in the corner and I'm and I'm feeling like this is not happening I'm really numb cuz I'm I'm not processing what's going on and in the on the news I look up and there's my picture mm. on Fox 4 news and and I remember like is this real and a lady next to me said oh my god there she is and oh. I'm sitting here going oh my god there I am yeah, sure Sure. Not why you really wanted to ever be famous for. 
Oh, oh, of course not. Yeah. Oh, of course not. And so I'm sitting here like, oh, my God. And I remember a lady touching me on my shoulder. She said, girl, uh, you got some money. I said, no, I've never, I never had a traffic, guys, I've never, ladies, I've never had a traffic violation. Right, right. And she said, girl, you got some money because they're going to kill you. Oh, wow. my God. I was like, and my mouth just flew open. Didn't have a criminal background. Didn't know any attorneys. Never had to use an attorney. And so I'm sitting here and I'm going, oh, my God, I, got, I don't know what to do. She was like, I said, well, I got a house. And she and I was like, okay, maybe I have to put my house. Know, I'm thinking, okay, I got to get out of mm-hmm, here. Mm-hmm. And and she's going, well. So I'm thinking, well, I don't, we got a house. We got a little equity. We got a little savings. But and she was like, girl, this is going to cost some money. Right. And I was like, what kind of money? She was like, I'm not talking about $2,000, $3,000. And I was like, oh. Okay. Oh God. Right, because this is your first experience. Never. You don't. Yeah. You don't. You you don't know I, about putting houses thing. up. Yeah. You know, yeah. for bond. You don't know anything. In addition to now getting law, you know, getting yeah, yeah you know, getting some the defense. Process of yeah. It all. Mm. Mm. Exactly. Mm. So I went in, and I remember them locking me up because this case was so high profile. Yeah. Um. It was extreme. It was all over the world. BBC News, CNN, Nancy Grace. Um. It's Pages and pages of still articles, internet articles of my wow. story. And I do not, I know I wasn't prepared for that. Well, I don't think anyone ever can be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, don't yeah, think, yeah. I don't think we go to, go to a class to go get ready for that. Um, but even so, even in all of the, like you said, you have a criminal you never justice, think it's you have be. a history background. So you, you have an idea in the theory of it. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is what happens. Boom. You know, people get arrested. Then they get, you know, questioned. Then they get, you know, um, defense, et cetera, et cetera. But like you mentioned at the beginning, it's nothing like the experience of actually going through it to the nuances, the influx, and like, and your whole emotional tor- turmoil in sitting in this on this bench and looking at yourself on TV and talking to this lady next to you who who's probably had a a oh, long she history to, she of to give references and exactly. stuff. Exactly. No, she, she actually did. See? Oh, snap. She said, girl, let me, let me find you an attorney. You got, she said, if you don't have a lot of money, I know one that take payment plans. You just pay him a retainer and he'll let you work the payment. I was Damn. like, see, exactly. I was like, oh. Exactly. Okay. So I got booked into the facility. Uh, they actually dropped my, um, I went in and um, I remember going to the West Tower of Luster. It, it was a psych ward. And I was locked up the for psych ward. They locked me up in a. Because she doesn't remember. She can't give detail. I was saying because know, it was your own speak, child. And I would say I'm not speaking for you. You know, but, at no, at my no means. Well, exactly. They really didn't know the mental state. I think. And I'm just, and I'm just going off of what I feel and what sure. I think. But they also, because I didn't remember, they knew it was trauma, of course. Because it's your own child. Because my own child. Yeah. And then so I was locked up in the psych ward, and they did an evaluation. Um, 23 hours a day, I was only allowed to get out for one hour. And that was to shower and use the phone. That makes it even more of a... And so I sat in the, literally the size of a small... I don't even think it was a six by nine. It I was going to say like this? It was smaller than this room. And I remember sitting there and they're coming to ask me, do you want any type of meds? And I was like, I just, all I need really, I knew I, I didn't sleep. So I said, can you, if you give me something to help me go to sleep, and I need a Bible. 
I remember them bringing me that little bitty New Testament Bible. It was orange and it was in Spanish. And I was thinking, I'm done. <laughs> I said, Lord, thank you for. Uh, oh, that's probably, you know, that's a whole different thing. That's probably the only Bible they had. Really. I said, Lord, thank you for Sunday school and four years of Spanish. Oh, <laughs> oh. see? <laughs> and Lucky so on I, you because I would have been asked out. I'd have been like, yeah, I don't know what else to do. And so I remember doing that and I just remember sitting there and not talking. I didn't tell them my name was La Heather because I didn't want them to know my name. Okay. So I gave them my, 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 really my name that's in East Texas, they call me Shay. <laughs> so they were like, what's your name? What are you in here for? I was like, Shay. And I was just always quiet mm-hmm. because I knew one thing I learned about criminal justice, anything you say can and will be used against you in the court of law. And so I had to sit still and be very, very quiet because everything was being mm-hmm. monitored. Mm-hmm. Visits, mm-hmm. phone calls, everything, letters, everything was being monitored because it was such a high-profile case. And so I called my parents and uh, the young lady who gave me the reference, I was like, you need to call this attorney and see what he, you know, his charge, his cost is. And we got to get this bum reduced. And those are the things that I learned in school. And so they went in and I said, I need character references. And so literally, I remember my attorney coming in and saying, are you are you famous or something? What do you do? I was like, uh, nothing. He was like, this whole foyer in front of this uh, courtroom is full of people. And I was like, from where? He was like, I don't know where they come from. Well, only a couple of people made phone calls. Literally, people from my childhood, high school, college, jobs I've worked, are churches. They had flooded the courthouse to give character reference. Oh, my So they gosh. ended up dropping my bun from 100000 to 50000 oh. That's what the judge did. And I was like, oh, my God. So I ended up 43 days incarcerated. I came home. House gone. I mean, marriage gone. My children. Um, so did, was that like the nail in the coffin for your now ex-husband? Was it, Or was he like... Was he really not coming back before the incident happened? I don't I'm think just curious. Was, I don't think it was a nail in the coffin. Nail in the coffin for it. There are some lot of other things that transpired, you know, after the fact. Okay. And so, um, I'll try to go in a brief detail about that as well. Um, oh. So I ended up going in, coming out, forty three days in jail. Um, of course, my story was all across the world. Uh, I had a twenty five thousand dollar attorney bill, which included two attorneys, and no money. I'll say that's that's actually wow. pretty good. Actually, twenty five thousand is actually it is? pretty good. Oh, yeah. That was, oh yeah. yeah, that was great. That's a good amount, actually, for a high profile case. For yeah. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that was good. And so I came home and literally was just like, "Oh my, what's happening?" My thank God for my parents. They've been married forty five years, and they took temporary custody of my boys. And I tell you, I tell them daily, and I always acknowledge them. They definitely signed up for something that. They weren't, not saying they weren't ready for it, but they got a job they didn't sign up for. But they took it gladly and openly. And, and one thing I knew that my children were being loved and taken care of. They mm-hmm. weren't being molested or. Right, um, right. Or, that was not a conflict. They were still family. family. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They were with their granny and papa. Yeah. And so exactly. they were good. Yeah. And so my mom was like, you don't worry about these boys. I got the boys. You got to take care of you. And so I ended up, my case was set off for three years. And when I say set off, that's a whole nother emotional thing. Basically, you go to court. And my attorney would go into the courtroom and spend I literally two minutes and come back out and say, okay, here's your new court date. And I did this every month for 
three years. So they just pushed, they kept pushing they your kept court. They kept pushing the court. Because they were doing investigating and all this okay. stuff. Because my initial charge was injury to a child, which is five to 99 years. So that's five to life, which is a first degree felony. And so they kept investigating, kept investigating. And they said, well, wait a minute. Of course, there's there's no uh, substances in his body. Of course, mm-hmm. no nothing broken, nothing bruised. And they, of course, they did that thorough investigation. And so they ended up what's called a no bill. So meaning that when they took it to the grand jury, they could not charge me with injury because there was not enough evidence to say there was injury. There was no injury. So what they did was they no billed it. And they lessen the charge to child endangerment, which is up to five years state jail. So I ended up getting five years uh, state, four years state jail. It was deferred adjudicated, meaning once I completed the four years, then I'm done. Meaning the case was dismissed and I'm done with four years deferred adjudicated probation. And so even in the, the insanity of everything that was going on, I drank. What? What? Well, I believe it. I probably would, too. It's a stressful time. That's it's, right. And in the process of that, I got DWI. Oh. God, what? So adding to everything. Right. You know. I, I got DWIs. And that added to the charges. So by the were time you, listen, Were you living with the parent? Like, because were you living with your parents and your children? So you had to be completely separated from your family. Mm-hmm. I, just I was wanted- still granted... Um, supervision visits. I mean, I was not totally disconnected from my children. So when my parents got temporary custody, Mm -hmm. then I got possessory uh, visits. So I was Mm -hmm. conservator. Sure. Possessory conservator. I mean, I was still able to go down and see my kids. I could go with them as long as it was supervised. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so that wasn't the issue because, again, they they started investigating the case. And the thing is, there was no closure because the cause of death was undetermined. So even when I got the autopsy back from the medical examiner, there was still no closure. And so as a mom, if if your child falls, you want to know what happened. If something happens to what happened to my child at the daycare? Uh, he he was, you know, someone bit him. What happened? And so to even to not know what happened from a and still in, from the blackout and to not have any answers from the autopsy, I literally went up to the medical examiner's office and I said, "This is not what I need. I but, need to but know." But you know what, Heather? That probably helped you in the sentencing of it because had they found out it caused a definitive cause of death, and they added and they provided that to your case you could honest to god could still be there depending yeah, on what it, it what it was because it could be it had been as easy i didn't say easy but it could have been like sids for example it could have been sids yeah i mean yeah, yeah. i mean because what if he had passed away in the crib right in the house exactly you would have not been brought up on, on charges regarding that right so I, i'm saying i'm as as crazy as that sounds to try to bring a little bit of comfort in that situation, yeah. and by no by no means, you know what I mean? There's and no comfort. There's I mean, no comfort. That's what I'm saying. There's no comfort in that situation. But God, my God, had they had had the medical examiner said it was due to heat related, right? Because you know he was in the car for X amount of time. Mm-hmm. Or you know? cold, right? Because it, it was overnight. Or it was like 60 degrees overnight. It was 60 night. degrees. Or, yeah, or, or cold. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Or suffocation because it may not have been <sighs> Right, because you were in so. the car. That diagnosis compounded on, could compound it to your already, you know, charges. 
not only it could have been negligence, you know, um, wrongful death. It could have it could have been. I could see them so going much. beyond the five year, like figure right. out the charges. It, that's what to, I'm to saying. That's what up. I'm saying, mm-hmm. especially in a state like Texas, which loves some capital murder. Yes. Yeah, that's what it had. Yeah, mm-hmm. I totally mm-hmm. agree. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, I, 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 and that's and that's the only point I'm trying to make in that. So, yeah. as as moms, we always want to know, like, some child got a mosquito bite, child got a scab here, this, that, the third. We want to know the root cause. I don't, I don't know. I think at this point, like, it, it to me would have been like, okay, it's unknown, and just chuck it up to you know what like, God just wanted my child right now, and that's it. Mm-hmm. He wanted his angel. I uh, yeah, yeah, I agree. Well, that that didn't happen for me. I know, no, no, I no, know. no, 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 yeah, I think what she's no. saying yeah, is like, not have been no, no, where I needed to be at this. Yes, in that, in that, 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 that was your season. Exactly, that's all. And I do, I do believe even through this process that there's been a lot of grace for, and I believe, I thank God for protecting my mind because. Mm-hmm. After all of this, there's no way I should be even sitting here talking to you ladies. Mm-hmm. I should be somewhere strapped down in a, on a gurney, slobbering mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. a mental hospital mm-hmm. on Halidol or whatever. I, I absolutely agree. I agree. So Alert. even in, in that, I ended up coming home uh, again to the attorney bill. I mean, the radio stations, people were calling to the radio. It was just, I didn't even know how crazy things were because I was locked up in confinement. And so I didn't talk to anybody. I didn't talk to they. Of course, you know how the media requests, and I was like, no. no, there's nothing for me to say because I don't know. But even in the insanity of it, as I was seeing, I got DWIs, and so I was just. So talk to us. What was your mental state at that time for you to already know that you are in a you're already in a tense situation, and to add that drinking and you know of course we all drink in hopes that we don't get caught you know god forbid you know what I mean but just since as you described you were pretty much a straight straight laced person prior to all of this happening so what what were you thinking and not and not in a in a scolding kind of way truly what was your mental state like (laughs) I want to die scolding you I want to die okay I literally I literally literally wanted to die I wanted to check out and not come back. Okay. Mm. And so for me, that drinking was, I'd black out. But Mm -hmm. I was scared. Mm -hmm. The the thing about it is I wanted to die, but I was scared to really do it. But I wanted to numb the pain Mm -hmm. because I didn't want to feel it anymore. Because I didn't understand. I remember saying, you know, God, you can do what you want to do, when you want to do it, how you want to do it. Just take it away. I don't want it. I, I can't handle it. And, he, and it was almost like, you're going to go through this process. And I was like, I mm-hmm. can't because it's not about you. It's for somebody else. But I don't want to. And even in that season, I remember just, I remember one of those, that right after I was driving down uh, 635, I wanted to go to the high five and just, just drive off. And in route, I, I exited uh, Lake June and stopped at a Valero. And I got two bottles of wine, and I turned around, and I went back, and I drank both of them and went to sleep. And, of course, I don't condone my actions, but I know that the next morning I woke up alive. Mm. And even in that, getting the DWIs, 
there, there came more shame, guilt, anger, frustration. So what do you do when you're the perpetrator and the and a victim, my child at the same time? Mm-hmm. How do you even weigh that in? How do you even sort the process that? There was no processing. It's almost like a vape. I was just living, just, I was just walking. Did, did your attorneys or family... Um find or come and get you like psychological help mental help sit you down with a psychologist a therapist or anybody during this the trial period or anything the thing about that i did go um a part of what cps does when they did the process is they have you you have to take a psych eval so um and then at that time i was died of course with ptsd because i yeah that was just literally I remember days of not sleeping. Days. Literally days. Mm. And major depression, of course, set in. Um, On top of that, there was some anxiety. There were so many different things that were going on. And my parents, although they did, they was like, well, you know, may want to go get talk to somebody and get checked out. And, and my main focus was Caleb and Joshua. So immediately, March, this happened. By June 1st, Actually, it was like the second week of June. I had found them a Christian counselor who dealt with substance abuse. And they were in counseling for five years, every week. But I made sure they were okay. Well, what I, about you? I, it wasn't, I didn't even think about me at that point. Exactly. You're I on did. trial. Hmm? Yeah. And your, your attorneys didn't even pers- go after that or like say, hey, let's get you some help? At that time, I mean, attorneys are this or, or your parents? Well, my parents did, but it was just, I didn't want to feel. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to process it. I didn't know how to start the processing of what I was going through. All I knew to do was walk, get up, wake up, I'm up, I'm alive, and just walk through that day. And just go on that, with it the was routine. Just, when I say ladies, mm-hmm. it was just, it was, people say day by day. It was hour by hour, minute by minute, second by second. Sometimes it was if I could just breathe in my nose and out my mouth. It was that critical. But at that time, again, I, all I thought about was my son is gone. Christian is Christian. Micah is gone. Caleb and Joshua with my mom and dad. I would drive to East Texas every weekend and remember crying all the way back down mm. Interstate 20. But I would fix my face going down there to prepare to be mama go to counseling sessions with them and it was I took whatever I got out of it just take the blunt of it because your mom and I cried all the way back how was that bonding time like I mean what how were they like receptive were they pushing away from you when you would come and visit oh no my sons are awesome sons um they have never pushed away from me the thing is, they believed in me more than I actually believed in myself. Mm. They've been that encouragement saying, Mama, you got this. Mama, you okay? Mm. And because we were and they were in counseling, we were mm-hmm. able to talk about that stuff. Well, how do you feel about Mommy being in, in, in Dallas and you're here? And then my mom mm. would be in there with us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it was almost like... It's it, a it, family therapy it, session. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. all about them. 
and us, you know, my mom even learned a lot in counseling. She was like, wait a minute. I'm so, wow, I mean, my, so then nice. my thing is, I'm like, while the kids were in counseling, you you kind of got some secondary, some yeah. residual yeah. counseling while, because you went with them to their sessions to and process. things like that. Yeah, to process all of that. So, you know, there, to me, I feel like there was some residual. But Definitely. Not, just a, just not a, for herself. Not for, right. Where we were saying, we, we, yeah, well, you mm-hmm. needed to devote a whole 60 minutes to you, you know what I mean? But there was some... Just a little bit, like you said. Just a I, I wouldn't expect any lawyer to. I mean, the lawyer would get, actually, you know, they, they can mention it. But to me, I'm like, honestly, as a lawyer, the less I'm involved, the better. You know what I mean? I feel because once you 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 delve into family and the background of it, you know, you you there's too much in a, of an emotional well, attachment. Well, to I'm not it. saying I'm not saying for the lawyer to become the therapist. No, I'm no, saying no, making no. recommendations. But, not even, but here's what so. I recommend. But even to, even that extent to oh, me, okay. yeah, I'm like mm-mm, like as a I, I, I'm no lawyer, you know, full disclosure. But just um, these lawyers, you know, whether it be private or a public defender they've got thousands of cases that they deal with you know what I mean so that's a whole nother that's a whole nother conversation as far as you know moving people through the prison system and how you kept getting pushed back trials and trials because there, there, there probably wasn't enough people to, to to accommodate you on that date so here's what's available which is three years later right well and then and when set off happens a lot of times it's for me it was not because the dates weren't available. It was because they were still investigating. Oh, and okay. usually right. what happens right. is you notice in the news, if they have a f- solid, you're you locked up. You're not getting out. But if they're still ongoing investigating, it takes a long time. Okay. Or sometimes for those who can't get bun, they sit there for two years. You're like, wouldn't this case happen in 2014? Okay. They're just not going to trial? Well, yeah. I don't know about that. It happens. Yeah. yeah. And so for me, they were doing the investigation. They end up again. Uh, got a lesser charge and then of course in that process getting the DWIs in which I still I'm still like wow you really did that but again I was not processing any of this stuff what about your crew was it is there women that are around you like you you were heavily involved in the church you mentioned Mm -hmm. yeah what's going on there like nobody was sitting with you going girl look really like I'll drive you you don't need I mean after the first DWI I mean I'll drive you to East Texas Suffering in silence. Mm. That's all I can say, suffering in silence. Okay. And I have friends, I've had, my crew, we've had 30 plus years of friendship. And, but what do you say to me? We would sit and nobody could say anything because they were hurting for me. Mm. But they didn't know what to say to help me. It's like, girl, I, I just, no words. What would you have liked them to say to you? Mm. I think they did only what they knew how to do. I don't even know what I would have liked for them to say at that time. That's a I was answer. so disconnected. I was just so out. Of, I mean, literally just functioning on fumes that the days were just rolling. And I just remember mentally going to, going downtown and paying my $5 and going to the court and get another set, day, uh, set off. And so that was just so emotional every month. Because it's like you're preparing your mind for the next month. You go in, you know, you're shaking, you're like, and then you get another date off. And I was just like, this is, this is, this is mental torment. And so I ended up coming out. I ended up just, again, um, I, three, after the three years, I got my court date, uh, 
I got signed for signed signed off for the deferred probation in February of 2012. And in that, along with that, I got 10 years probation for the DWIs. And so I got four years deferred sure. for the mm-hmm. endangerment charge. Yeah, yeah. And then the 10 years probation for the DWIs. And people would think, wow, just four years? And so in that and I was also sentenced to Safe Pete, which is Texas Department of Criminal Justice, is a substance abuse felony punishment facility. So I had to do six months, and it was cognitive behavioral therapy in that facility, and then I was released. And so I actually went into—I spent 13 total months incarcerated. I stayed seven months in uh, Lusteria downtown to go do six months mm-hmm. there because mm-hmm. they had to wait for a bed to mm-hmm. open. So I literally did 13 months total, and I got out December 3rd in 2012— and during the time um, I was incarcerated, my, I've always been one of those kind of moms. I was always on top of my children's education, what they were doing, ask you, how they're functioning. Yeah. And so even, with, like I said, within the three years, I was down there in counseling with them. I was there doing homework with them. I was still on parent-teacher conferences calls. I was still drive down there. Even if I was here and maybe Caleb may have been acting out, the teacher knew to do a three-way call, call your mom. And I'm like, Caleb? Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. This mommy. Yes, ma'am. And it's like, what's happening? What's going on? You know your behavior. And I was still mom because they what they. I didn't change that part of me. But for me, as far as me being their mom, that didn't change. Mm-hmm. I changed as far as I would remember. I remember going down there and sitting in my dad's rocker and watching them outside on the trampoline and just just breaking down crying because where's my other child? Yeah. But then I would run in the bathroom and put Visine and wash my face up before they came in and they walk in the hey mom, like, hey son. And because they they I was mom. Mm-hmm. They would just say Granny House, stand with Granny until mommy came back and got them. Do you still go through those periods? No. I don't. I don't. Um, and I'll tell you why. Um nine years. Nine years ago, um, they they left with my parents. And through this process, of course, coming out of prison, going through, um, I went through a, a court, a drug court program, as well as a toy program as a client. And so, and there you have to take UAs. They call your color. You got to 5, 4.30 that afternoon to get there to take a UA. And if you fail, guess where you're going? What's a UA? So if you flunk that UA, you're going back. And so for a year, I was in that program, and then I signed up for the TOI program. Now, I found out about that because I was in prison ministry prior to when so I was you married. About so I had known about the program. Okay. So I went to those programs simultaneously. And so I learned a lot you from You were a model program. prisoner. Pretty much. Girl, I, I, pretty I, I, much. I mean, essentially, like, when yeah. they talk about when they talk about prison is about rehabilitation. Dude. I'm not so sure about rehabilitation. That's a girl. That's a whole nother. That's a whole nother. Yeah, I have to we come back to flash home, a surface. But, we'll, we'll, that's a whole nother. But, but, but I'll come back for that. But at the yes, exactly. I was gonna say we want to dive, but that's a whole nother hour. True. Yeah, we'll true. talk about the ladies and the things I experienced. Well, See, I literally, I that's have to what come I want. That's yeah. That's a whole nother dynamic because I was in a substance abuse. But I want to talk facility. about that. Like what, you know okay, what I mean? Well, here's some things I learned just quickly. As, Look at me, I know, as quick, I know, as quick as we could. So here's the thing. I was in 
in there. I, yo, guys, I was green. I I smoked marijuana twice in college. <laughs> stared at the clock. I never smoked. I didn't do black and miles. So I didn't. I just remember I didn't want to do it. I never smoked blacks. Never did hydros, pills. Was not that. Just as that just wasn't my thing. I didn't even drink. So that was not my thing. So I'm getting in that that front that facility, having a degree, the intellectual that I am. I want to know everything about everything. So I would sit and say, "Math. Black people do math." Uh, what is math? What is in there? And so I would have people print out articles and email it to me while I was there because I can. I need to know about what is hydro. They just like, you don't know about bars? What's a bar? A bar? Chili? You know, like, no, four a bars bar and a bar. <laughs> no. Yeah, I'm thinking, chili's bar? What? And they was like, no, no handlebars, four bars, they yeah. yell and they blue and the blue is wrong. And I was like, what is all this? And then wet, PCP. Getting wet. Sitting yeah. on that lean. I, I didn't know any of that. I was green. <laughs> You know where I'm like, like, I thought we were talking about the Heather's experiences. <laughs> yes, I, said, I, said, I, said, look, I said, if you're gonna tell it, might as well tell it all. <laughs> Confession. No. 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 So going in there, I'm I'm kind of green. They're looking at me like, what you what you in here for? I mean, DW, and I was just thinking, I couldn't tell them. Because, again, the You're case, like, yes, DWI. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm here for doing wrong. And so I couldn't tell them because it was an all-female facility. And because it's women, there were issues being addressed. But definitely that issue was something that I was told when I walked in, do not talk about. Just like yeah, prison. Anything with children. You know, like anything ch- with children. children. Yeah. yeah. Children just, or, or, or sexual yeah. abuse. Those, yeah, those things. So, I was, limits, so basically, yeah. we were going through cognitive behavioral therapy, but I was not getting anything out of it. So I would just read a book a day just to keep my mind going. So I would read those articles and then I would look at the women and I was real quiet so they they was thinking something wrong either something wrong with her or she really checking us out because what happens in prison they're trying to figure you out you're trying to figure them out so I learned because I again I even did an internship as a jailer in East Texas I learned what to say what not to say don't disclose this kind of information because this can be used against you and manipulate you in the, in the process and I say this oftentimes uh when you're incarcerated and people come into the prisons and, you know, no no offense against volunteers and prison ministries because that's a great thing and it's needed. But what they're looking at is, is this a purse or a nurse? So are they trying to heal me or can I get some money out of them and have them put some money on my girlfriend books or send some money to my pay my grandmother light bill or whatever? Mm. It's like manipulation. Oh, okay. Are you vulnerable enough for me to manipulate you to get the things I want? Or I can sit up and act like you're really, really helping me, but I'm finna manipulate you to get you to do something else. Mm. I have ulterior motive. But not everybody. I met some wonderful women, wonderful women incarcerated, but a lot of them, heroin addiction, Children born addicted to heroin, snatched from the hospital, gone, adopted out, don't know where those children are. Um, and out of my story, even sharing my story through the documentary, I've had women come up to me and say things like, I remember leaving the house and going to the, catching the dart, going on the train, the red line, going to downtown to work. And I get a call from daycare and says, oh, where's Kim? Huh? She, she had, no, you didn't drop her off. And realizing, she said she dropped off the train, got back on, went the other way, and she had left her in the car. At the door station. at the, In the parking lot. And oh, then he, But she yeah. was just like, it was yeah, just yeah. that. Or someone said, I yeah. was driving, I stopped at the mailbox, and I didn't have my daughter uh, properly strapped in, and she fell out the car. And she got injured, and I was so scared to send her back to school because I didn't want them to say, oh, my God, what did you do to her? Yeah, yeah. I had one woman walk up to me. I'll never forget this day as long as I live. She was a Caucasian lady, and she said... Uh, 
I never thought I would tell anybody this, but she said, I molested my son. And I was like, she said, no, not my stepson, my biological son. And she said, and I did it for years and I went to prison for it. And she said, she had been gone, I know, like 20 some years. She was an older lady. And she said, now he's incarcerated mm. for rape and oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, rape and molestation. Mm-hmm. And he's angry at me mm-hmm. and, and I, I, I've tried to heal from it, but I can't. Now, mind you, even with my situation, something in you goes, whoa. But I didn't show it through my facial expression Mm -hmm. because I understood something that pain is pain. Mm -hmm. And how can my situation be any greater than yours? Because it is what it is. Mm -hmm. And so even in going through all that, I met some great women, but I learned a lot about uh, addiction, understanding what addiction is. Some people say it's mental uh, illness. Some people say it's it's a disease. Some people say, you know, you can be set free and delivered from it or addictive behavior is addictions can be sex, you know, caffeine, shopping, whatever sure. that thing is that keeps you bound. But for me, I had to learn because I want to know what's wrong with me. Mm-hmm. What is wrong with you that even through this, this happened again? And so coming home, I ended up going through those two programs and I graduated both. And I remember sitting in, and I was sharing my story and they asked, can, can we do a documentary on your story? And I was like, I, at that time, all I knew is that I didn't want another woman to wake up to what I had experienced. So it didn't matter. I would tell it to the rooftop. And with tr- and I and I prayed, can I just share it with such transparency that they get it? And everybody may not get it. Mm-hmm. I tell people all the time, I may I may be talking to five women, I may be talking to five hundred women, and I may piss some of you off. I'm okay with that today because if I just touch one and it gave you the courage to go tell your stuff, then I've done my part. But even in those in that capacity, I went through and I filmed the documentary and you know they I graduated from uh that toy program and they streamed the graduation live across the world and people were just like, Oh my God and they I remember them panning the camp. They didn't I filmed the documentary, I didn't know they were doing the reenactment of the documentary. So when we saw it at the graduation, my mom and kids were there. They had to take my kids out of the sanctuary. Oh wow. <gasps> and I didn't get a preview. And so I'm watching this on this screen, and Judge Mathis was the was the speaker, and it's the church is of course filled to capacity because it was at the Potter's house, and I'm looking at this documentary and I couldn't move. And this camera's panning my face, and I'm just stuck. And where people saw, oh my God, I was having literally mental flashbacks. Oh. And I was like, and people were like, oh my God, you're so courageous. Just like the world saw you fall, they're watching, you know, you get back up. And I was just like. Like I, I, you were not trying to relive that right, right now. Right now. Like you were moving forward. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it was. And, I, and I'm and i okay because I gave the, the permission to do it. But I didn't you know. You wouldn't expect it to be like that. No. At that man. You just thought it was. Yeah. Like maybe, okay, they'll just have it for future or uh, maybe yeah, marketing or, or, purposes. Yeah, or a little clip and then, mm-hmm. but, but then, then for them to, to even get the 911 call. And they yeah. Yeah, get, yeah, they went real deep. Yeah. yeah. And of course, they won the awards and all of that. And it was a great thing. And that season, guess what I did? I, I became the perfectionist again. So I did the speaking engagements and I did, oh, Leather, can you go here and do this? And I'm thinking, oh my God, it's not about me. It's about helping other people. And it's for the greater good of, you know, women. And just, and I, I shifted to a whole nother mode. So what happened, ladies, it was easy for me to tell my story, but I hadn't processed the pain. Mm-hmm. And so I could go and I could talk and I could talk and I could encourage and women would cry. And they would walk up to me and I would 
call the boys and they would pray over me before I go in. Mommy just say something to help somebody else. And I would go out just exhausted and go home and crawl in the bed. And I would, I had put like black sheets over the curtains because I didn't want to see any light. There was a detachment. It was, I actually detached from from, from the, the pain, from the yeah. from the pain of it, the emotional uh-huh. part of it, because it's easy to say, and, and this is why I say Christian Micah, because I didn't realize with all the things and the great successes that happened with the documentary and the exposure and the speaking engagements and all this other stuff, I hadn't processed any pain. It was not until later. This is eight, nine, May of last year, I started grief counseling. This concludes part one of our two-part episode of Incarcerated Moms. Listen in to part two next week where we will continue our discussion with Ms. LaHeather Wilson.